Hey, well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? It's great to be in church today. How many enjoyed the worship this morning? Come on, wasn't it awesome? All campuses, I'm sure we had a great, great time. Uh, we're just connected right now with everybody all over the city with our 217 campus, our Mill Plain downtown, and of course, everybody online, Facebook Live, soon to be YouTube, Roku, Apple TV. Come on. We want to make sure it's easy for people uh, to be able to hear what Jesus is doing at City Bible Church. Would you put your hands together? Come on, for everybody on all campuses. Come on. It is great to do church together all over the city. Uh, for those of you that would be new here at City Bible Church, my name is Mark Estes. I'm the lead pastor here of City Bible Church. I've been here for 21 years. And for uh, 20 of those years, um, we've had the wonderful privilege of a little, a, a little um, let's just call it a tradition that's taken place during the month of November. And this is a month where we just stop and we pause and we celebrate God's goodness in our lives. How many think God's been good to them? Come on, wave at me if you think God's been good to you. Come on. And uh, we, we have a time where we celebrate a thing called season of generosity. And this is a time for us just to stop and to pause. And for us just to recognize how God has been so good in our lives and how he's blessed us. And through the last 20 years, we've been able to touch nations and touch the world as a result of our generosity in giving. And I just went back through all the different um, 20 years worth of giving and projects and people and nations and missionaries and church plants that we have uh, touched as a result of this house. And I was just overwhelmed at how many lives have been impacted because of you and me. And it is a true privilege. I mean, when you really stop and you think about it, what a privilege it is that God has blessed us so greatly that we could be a blessing to others. And so as we come into this season, we have, a, we have a, 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 just this tradition where we just stop and we stir our faith. We begin to talk about the things that God could do in us in the days to come. Because I believe that God is a God of the greater. And God wants to do greater things in your life. Come on, nudge your neighbor and say, he wants to do greater things in my life. Come on, that's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God that does great things. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you could ask or think. And last week during Vision Sunday, we talked about some of the um, outrageous vision ideas, things that we want to accomplish in 2018 and the thousands of people that we want to touch and the cities that we want to reach and everything that we want to do. But the way that we see greater things, vision come into reality is through our greater season and our greater things faith. And this is a time for us as a, as a family, every campus, every person, where we just lean in and we say, God, use me. God, touch my life. Help me to do my part to make a difference in the world around us. If you're part of City Bible Church, that's the kind of church we are. We want to make a difference in people's lives. And so during these four weeks, we're going to look at um, a series of stories that are told by Jesus. Um, these are going to be simple stories. They're challenging stories, but I believe if we lean in, they're going to be heart-changing stories. And the one thing that you find out about Jesus as you look at his stories called parables is that he oftentimes attached finance and faith together. 
There's about 40 different parables that Jesus told. About half of them deal with the area of money. In fact, when you look at Jesus' teaching, over 20% of what he ever taught dealt with the area of money. And what you find in every case is he attaches what's in your hand to what's in your heart. We live in a society today that wants to separate the two, but what we see in the teachings of Christ is that he brings them back together and says that they're inseparable. It is impossible to live a life where we think that Jesus lives in our hearts, but it doesn't affect with what's in our hands. And so what we see Jesus is he comes back and he, he begins to deal with this thing over and over again. In fact, if you look at the Bible, there's over 2,350 scriptures that deal with the area of finance. Why? Because it's a really big deal in our lives. And every time that we talk about it, there's even an underlying tension that happens because all of a sudden we begin to touch something that's in our hand that we don't want to let go of. And what Jesus is trying to say is that the level of faith that you have for me in your heart is directly represented with what you do within, which, which, with which is in your hand. <laughs> right? Come on. You try this. Come on. There was a guy, his name was Richard Halverson, and he was a chaplain for the U.S. Senate, and he wrote a great book. It was called Perspective, and he made this profound statement. He said that Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing because money is of the first importance. Listen to what he says. When it comes to a man's real nature, think about that for a second. He goes on and he says, money is an exact index to a man's true character. Money is the primary commodity in our lives that reveal the true condition of our heart. And what we're going to find in these stories is that Jesus ties this thought together. That what you do with what's in your hand reveals actually what's really in your heart. We live in a world that wants to separate them. I believe that it's a time and season for us to recognize that Jesus had a greater thing in mind for us and that blessing and peace and joy and fulfillment and everything that we want in life is directly attached to what we do with what's in our hand. So I want to read a story to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. If you have your app out this morning, City Bible Church app, you can open up right there. There's notes for you. If you haven't downloaded, you could download the app. I would encourage you to do that. And also on the very back of your bulletin, there's also the notes there. We want you to be able to be engaged in the Word of God. So let me go ahead and read this to you. It says, and he sat down, speaking of Jesus, opposite the treasury and watched the people. I like this. He watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to them, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in much more 
than all of those who have contributed in the offering box. She put in a penny, and he's saying what she put in was a lot more than all of these people that have put in large sums. He says, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. When you look at this story, this is one of the greatest paradoxes in the Bible. You find Jesus, he's sitting at the temple treasury, and it's, it's this place in the court of the women, and it's, it's in the first enclosure of the temple, and it's a place where all the children and all the women could come to worship, and it's in there that they have these different chests, these offering chests, and there were these big boxes that had like a shofar horn or a horn that would come out usually made of metal where people would come and drop money into the shofar and it would go down into the box. And there were 13 of these boxes. And there were people that were in line. It was, it was the, the most uh, busy part of the temple, and people would worship there, and women were there, and children were there, and people are standing in line, and it says that they came and they brought large sums of money. And you could just imagine as people are in line, and they're putting in money in all of these different uh, shofar horns, you, just, you can hear the money just going, shh, just falling in it. And there was this one lady that walks up with two little coins, and she drops them in. They just kind of go, just kind of like, ping, ping. and out of all of the noise, out of all of the gifts, Jesus stops, and he wants to hone in on the heart and the faith of this one young lady. He pulls his disciples because he doesn't want to miss the moment. He says, I've got to tell you about what just happened here. And he began to talk about one of the greatest principles that we miss so often. And Jesus is trying to show us this, that the condition of our heart and what it really looks like to God has everything to do with relationship with your possessions. Who's first in your life? Who's most important? Where does your passion really lie? And Jesus uses this story to come and he teach this whole thing about your heart. He's wanting to ask us the question today, where is our heart really at? And he's wanting us to see that what we have placed in our hand and what we choose to do with what's in our hand to him reveals actually what's going on right here in your heart. And there's these two profound thoughts that come out of this, overriding thoughts that I see in this story that I think are, are what makes, make, make this story such a paradox. Number one is the ones who gave much, it amounted to little. In Mark 12, in the second part of the 41st verse, it says, many rich people put in large sums. I mean, they should be thankful that there was large amounts of money going in, but it says they contributed out of their abundance, out of their excess, out of their leftovers. And what we see here is that Jesus begins to hone in on this issue because they may have had full wallets, but they had empty hearts. 
What they were giving wasn't out of heart. It was out of religious duty. It was out of obligation. There could have been many that weren't giving at all. And you look at this idea of possessions and giving to God. It shows up one of the very first um, offerings takes place in Genesis where you see Cain and Abel. And it says that Abel gave to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And it says in which he was commended. God looked at Abel. And Abel came before the Lord with what he had, his hard-earned crops. And he brought it before the Lord and he gave his best. He gave his all. He gave, he gave out of heart. But it says that Cain gave out, gave out of religious duty. And God looked down upon it. It wasn't the amount that mattered. It was the heart behind what was in his hand that really mattered to God. And he says, I don't want to take the offering that has no heart. We see that with King David. And King David wanted to bring an offering before the Lord. And he went to a guy named Aruanah. And he says, hey, listen, I want to buy your threshing floor. And I want to buy this, this particular place because I want to bring a great offering to God. And Aruanah says, no, I'm just going to give you. You're the king. I want to give you this building. He goes, no. 2 Samuel 24, 24. He goes, no, I insist in paying for it. He says, because I refuse to do anything for free. He says, I don't want to give an offering to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. He says, I want to pay for it. Why? It's because he wanted his possession to represent his heart. It wasn't a religious duty thing. God was after his heart. And what we see in the first part of this story is, is that the people that gave much amounted to little with God because simply it was just like their leftovers. We're getting ready to have Thanksgiving, and I just read a story about the Butterball Turkey Company. Anybody buy from Butterball? Come on, it's turkey time. And there's a consumer line that you can call in to get tips on how to cook your turkey. And this lady had called True Story, and she asked some questions regarding a turkey that she wanted to prepare that had been in her freezer for 23 years. And the lady online, she just says, hey, listen, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, if you, if you have the turkey under zero degrees for all 23 years, you're probably okay, but inevitably it's lost all of its flavor. I don't expect to cook, I don't, I, you know, encourage you to cook it. And the lady said this, she goes, oh, that's what I thought. We'll just give it to the church. Ooh. I mean, we're thinking, I'd never do that. Until the cute little kids knock at your door on the little can drive for Christmas, and you go, I'll get you something. You run over to the pantry, and you open it up, and garbanzo beans, enchilada sauce, spinach. I mean, here you go. And all this kid goes, oh, thank you. And they walk off, and you're just going, oh, I feel so good. Garbanzo beans? And this is, what, this is what Jesus is trying to, what he's talking about. He's just going, listen, God's not interested in your leftovers. He's not interested in you giving something out of your excess. That after I buy my car and my house, which is really important, and all of my clothes and my movies and vacation and everything that I, oh, let's see here. Maybe I've got something token to give to God. And Jesus is saying that people that give out of excess or religious duty or maybe not at all, he goes, 
I'm not really impressed with them because what they're doing with, with, which is in their hand is letting me know what is really in their heart. On the flip side, we see is the story, what Jesus tries to communicate to us is the, the opposite, is the one who gave little amounted to much. Verse 42, it says, a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins. Verse 44 says that she gave out of her poverty, and it says she put in everything, not just the money, she put in her heart. She walked for miles. She lived on the edge of town. She probably wasn't rich enough to live around the city square. She had to come for miles. All she had was a penny. And she trucked for miles with a penny because she knew that this was all that she had tangibly to give to God to say, I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my first. And Jesus says, the one who gave little amounted to much. And she was revealing to us this this whole idea is that really what was in her heart was revealed by what she did with what was in her hand. And, And this is what Jesus is driving home for us. He's trying to help us understand. Listen, it's okay to have things, but don't let things have you. And oftentimes what happens is, again, we, we're willing to sacrifice to buy the house. Hey, listen, let's go ahead and cut all these things here. Why? Because that's what really matters to me. I'm going to go ahead and move my budget around so I can get that car. And so I'm willing to sacrifice here for that which is in my heart. And God's saying, well, why am I not right there in your heart? And who's my God? Is it my house? Is it my car? Is it my vacation? Is it all the things that make life better for me? Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about here. What is in your heart? Am I there? Am I first? Do you seek me first in all of my righteousness? If you do, everything else will be added unto you. He's coming down to this, guys. It is about what is in your heart. Last year when I celebrated my birthday, I had a couple family friends and relatives come over. We celebrated my birthday, and it was a, a fun time, and people brought cute little gifts and nice gifts, and there's this one six-year-old little girl. Her name was Charlotte. Charlotte shows up at my house, and I didn't know this, but she had talked to her mom about her wanting to bring me a gift, and so she saved her money and her allowance, and she went out and bought me a green plastic alligator. You know, and as you look at that, you probably think, well, that's kind of dumb. Plastic, green, maybe you call them puff, I don't know. But when I look at this, it was the most priceless, precious gift that I got that day. It sits in my office at home. If you come to my office at home, it sits right there next to the globe. I think all the time about that precious gift because I recognize the heart as Charlotte just came and says, Pastor Mark, this is for you. I, did, I just wanted to cry. I wanted to get saved. I mean, it was just like, I was just like, man, that's just so beautiful. I went and I walked with her into my office and I set it down. I said, this is the place it's going to sit. It's just so beautiful. I saw it this morning. 
See, what made that gift special to me? She gave out of her heart. I don't know what it cost, and I don't care what it cost. All I cared was what was in her heart. That was special to me. And guys, this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's pulling all of his disciples. He's not cared about all the people that gave large sums and large money. He's pushing them all and says, no, I want to tell you the story about this lady. Because there was something in her heart that's worthy to talk about even thousands of years later. And as you unpack this story, you begin to find that there's a couple thoughts that the writer Mark wanted us to understand. And I think that there's some important detail that we could unpack here. Because as we we think about moving into this season, you can't even have faith to give until you first have heart to give. And oftentimes we go, the reason we don't want to give is because somehow, some way, it starts with this fact going, it's not even in my heart to give to what's most important to God. Why? Is because what's in my hand is most important to me. And so Mark begins to unpack the story, and I see kind of five thoughts that come out of this story regarding the area of having greater faith generosity. The first thing that I see is that greater generosity requires greater revelation. I I love this scripture, and again, you might just pass over this when you read it, but it says, a poor widow came. She came. She didn't have to come. This was a free will offering. Miles away, listen, it's just a stinking penny. I mean, let's just stay home. I mean, it's not going to amount to anything. But she decided to come because she knew what she had represented what was in her heart and that it would impact Jesus. And so the very first thing we have to understand is that she came. The reason why she came and put it in is because she realized what she had wasn't hers. It wasn't hers in the first place. It was God. God gave it to her. Everything that you and I have, God gave it to us. He gave you everything. He gave you life. The very reason why you're here listening to me is the fact that you were given life by Jesus. He gave you life. He gave you heart. He gave you your family. He gave you your job. He gave you your hands to do your job. He gave you air in your lungs to do your job. He gives you your paycheck. Everything was created. Colossians 1.16. Everything was created by him and what? And for him. And so she comes to this place. She recognizes one of the most heart-revealing revelations in the Bible is I'm willing to give to him because it's his in the first place. And again, society today wants to separate. I want God. I love him. But not that. That's mine. My paycheck. My money, my toys. You read throughout scriptures, we should have no other what? Gods or idols before him. What's in your hand determines what's in your heart. And everything that we have originates with God. Everything that you have within your possession originates with him 
Listen, we're simply stewards of His resources. That's all we are. You look throughout Scripture, the few things that we'll be held accountable for when we get to heaven, where we spend our time, how we use our talents, and where we invest our resources. Your three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Because those are things God gave you. Listen, stewardship itself, it's not a subcategory of the Christian life. Listen to me. It is the Christian life. We were created for a greater purpose. If you're part of City Bible Church, you hear every Sunday, we want you to discover what your purpose so that you can make a difference. There's a reason why we're here. You individually, us as a church, to make a difference in this world that's broken and hurting and falling apart, that together we can come together amidst of all the noise and the chaos and the tension, and together we can link hands and say, we're going to make a difference together. That's why we're here. And so we've got to start with this revelation first and foremost. Everything we have is his in the first place. And what we do with what's in our hand is going to reveal to him what's really in our heart. Here's the second thing that is, as I look at the story is that generosity brings greater trust. It says that she came, verse 42, and it says, and then she put in. I like this. She didn't just come to worship. She came to sacrifice. She didn't come to, like, do Sunday morning church to kind of stop in. And she, she came, actually, to bring something that cost her something. And what she realizes, listen, is that what God had given her, she could give back to him because if If God gave it to her in the first place, if she gave it, he can actually meet her needs again. He did it in the first place. He can do it again. And she knew what was in her hand was inseparable from what was in her heart. Listen to me. Trust is not a belief. It's an action. There was a guy, his name was Blondin. He was a tightrope walker back in the 1800s. And he would tightrope across the Niagara Falls, 1,100 feet across, 160 feet above the water. Sometimes he would even go across halfway and just have breakfast there. He'd set up a table, and he'd just sit there, and he'd have breakfast. People would watch. He'd push large wheelbarrows full of potatoes and different things across, and he'd go all the way back and A royal party came out to watch this phenomenon, 1860. And he would grab his wheelbarrow and he would push it across with all of the potatoes and come back. And the the Duke of Manchester was there and he he was confronted or challenged by Blonde. And he says, listen, do you believe that I could actually push a body in this wheelbarrow across this tightrope? And the Duke says, oh, oh, I believe, I believe. He says, then get in. He had this intellectual idea, I believe, but he didn't trust him. There was a lady in the the crowd out there that actually volunteered, and he pushed her across, and she got out, and finally they asked her, why would you do that? He goes, because that's my son. It's his mom that got in there. She could trust him. 
See, listen. She came, and the reason she put in is because she trusted God would provide all of her needs according to his riches and glory. If he said it, she's going to believe it. And when she gave, she knew that it would come back to her because she simply trusted in him. And your trust isn't measured by what you believe. It's really measured by how you live. And we see this particular revelation coming across. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very famous scripture for many people. It says, trust... In the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on your what? Your own, the way you think, the way that you believe things will happen. Acknowledge him in all your ways, your behavior, your actions, the way you live. And it says, and then he will direct your paths. We've got to have trust. We've got to believe. We've got to come to that place to say, okay, God, I have revelation. Everything that I have is yours. Okay, Lord, so I'm going to come to this place where I'm going to trust you because what's in my hand has to be in my heart. The third thing that we see is that it builds faith, is that generosity builds faith. She came and she didn't just put in. It says that she put in the two small copper coins out of her poverty. It says she gave everything. I mean, now that's a faith step. I don't think God's asking us to give everything, but he might. And what we see here is that she gave not because it was a sacrifice to her, but because it was an investment for her. We might be saying, hey, listen, time out. I know you got great faith. Don't give it. You got to hold back. Listen, she would look at me and she goes, I didn't lose anything. I gained everything. I didn't sacrifice anything. I invested into the kingdom of God that gives me a guaranteed exponential return. She knew that he would bring back more in abundance. And really the ease of letting go depends on where you put your value. And really, you look throughout Scripture, Jesus, and again, this this is just Jesus talking to us. He shared that our faith is measured by where we place our valuables. Where you put your time, where you invest your talents, and where you deposit your treasures. He says, I can tell what level of faith you have by where you put what you've been given by me. There's faith. Rich young ruler. What must I do to have eternal life, Jesus? What he asked. Jesus says, oh, just follow these things. He goes, I've been doing those since I was young, since I was a youth. I've done that. Jesus said, oh, one other thing then. Sell everything you have, your possessions. He says, then come follow me. And it says that he walked away what? Sad. We look at the whole story where it comes with the parable of the buried treasure. It says, when a man found the treasure, in other words, when he found out the value of the kingdom of God, it says, he, with joy, he sold everything that he had in order to buy the field. It wasn't a sacrifice to pay out over here because he knew the return was over here. 
The, the reality is this. Jesus is trying to help us understand that we should invest in heaven because you're going to leave everything behind. You're either going to spend it before you leave or someone's going to take it from you after you leave. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men on the planet, his accountant was asked when he died, how much money did John leave when he died? His accountant said, all of it. Listen to this promise here. This is what Jesus says, and it's a faith statement. Give, and you'll receive. Trust me, he says. Generosity says, trust me, if you give, you'll receive. It says, your gift will return to you full. Pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over, poured out into your lap. The, um, listen, the amount that you give, here's a faith statement. The level of your faith determines the level of your return. He says it this way. The amount you'll give will determine the amount you get back. Generosity is one of the greatest ways to build your faith. Jesus, give me more faith. He says, well, then let me pry some fingers off of what's in your hand and trust me. And by giving, you have faith to believe that what he said, that he will actually bless you. That's what we want. In our heart, we're saying, God, I want you to bless me. God, please. He says, the way that I bless you is through faith. Faith in me that I can take whatever you put your trust in and give it to me and have faith that it's going to be a lot better in my hands than it ever could be in your hands. Here's the next thing we see in this story. It just gets better. Generosity reveals greater love. Well, what's, what's important to understand about this story is that this wasn't like a, a have-to offering for her. This was a get-to offering. She didn't put it in some tithe box. She put it in a free will offering box. I, I, I just, I think about this. Here was this poor widow despised in society, living on the outskirts of town. She has one penny in her hand, two mites. She's praying, God, this is all I have. And she's led by the Holy Spirit. She says, you know what? There's probably some people that are in more need than I am. I mean, there's probably some people that are more hungry than I am. God, you've been so faithful to me. I trust you so much. Listen, I'm going to take what I have and I want to invest it into the lives of others. Why? Because my heart is so compelled with love for people. And if we get one thing, guys, come on, out of these next four weeks, get this one point. Every dollar that comes in goes to help people know that we love them. This isn't a have to. I mean, let me just take off any pressure and any guilt on any person on any campus. Those, this isn't a have-to thing. This is a get-to thing. This is where we can just stop and realize that we've been blessed. And God has poured his love. He gave his all so that we could be blessed. And this is an opportunity for us just to say there's people all around us that desperately need help and love. And we get to be the recipients of God's favor so that we can bless others. 
I mean, I, mean, I think of that. There's, there's 13,000 foster kids in the Oregon state alone. Forget the metro area, including Clark County. What would it look like if we this year said, let's just give out of greater love? What would that look like? I got a call from a lady that doesn't even go to our church in tears, knowing what we were doing with foster care. She invested $25,000 to buy 100 $250 coats to make sure that the kids that God's using us to touch will be warm this winter. It's 25,000 bucks. And I, I remember talking to her afterwards. She's just crying. She goes, I just feel so good. This is so amazing. Thank you for letting me have the wonderful privilege of partnering with you. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get saved right now. Right? I mean, it's just like she's crying because she recognized greater love by giving. There's 4,177 people today, as of yesterday, that are best they could count on the streets of home, uh, homeless on the streets in the metro area that are going homeless and hungry today. What would it look like if we recognized how blessed we were and we worked a little bit harder to say, let's just make sure that there's another meal for another person and be grateful that we're eating three squares today. What would it look like the 469 girls between the age of 10 and 16 that were sexually abused and sold on the streets, sexually exploited on the streets of Portland in the last couple of years, rescued off the streets? If we just said, what would it look like if we as a family had a love to say, not on our watch, not on our time, we're no longer going to allow that to happen. We want to train people. We want to work hard. We want to do. That's what this is all about. I'm just trying to get our heart to a place where we can break off from the noise and the, the pressure of the world to realize that God really wants to use us to do greater things. And that greater thing is to love people. That's what we're all about. If we're not going to do that, let's just go home. But God, help us. To just love people. Just love people that are hurting and wounded and broken. That's what it's all about. Generosity reveals that you actually love people more than your own wants and desires and comforts and satisfaction of living this life in pleasure. And lastly this. Generosity brings greater blessing. I, I, I love this, and I'm just going to kind of extract some of my own thoughts in it. Truly, I say to you, this is Jesus now talking to his disciples after he's told the whole story. You know what's so powerful about this story? Is that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. We're not talking about Abraham and Moses and David today. We're talking about a penny. We're talking about a lady that gave a penny. And Jesus said, I love her heart. It was priceless. 
know, last year for my birthday, I had the wonderful privilege of having some people over and got some, some nice gifts, but there was this one gift that I got from Charlotte. And I know my slides are probably a little out of order, but I, I, I want to just tell you the story about Charlotte. Charlotte decided to take her money, come to my house, and bought me a little plastic green alligator. And it sits in my office today, right in the corner. Listen, listen. To you, that means nothing to you. It's a piece of plastic. To me, that's priceless. And it sits in my office, and I'm reminded when I pray every morning, I look over and I say, God, give me the heart like Charlotte. God, give me the heart like this lady, this widow. You know, when I get to heaven, I've determined to do this. I, I, I'm not going to ask for the first person to meet. It's, it's not going to be David. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Moses. It's not going to be Deborah Barak. It's not going to be Solomon. It's not going to be Peter, Paul. It's not gonna, you know what I want to meet first? It's the widow. She gave all. She gave everything. Probably the closest to Jesus that you'll ever see in Scripture is a lady that gave everything for the sake of another. You know our motto here, live like Jesus? If we're going to live like Jesus, we have to give like Jesus. We've got to break through. we just got to break through the materialism and the covetousness self-centered culture that keeps telling us that there's a separation between what's in your heart and what's in your hand. God, help us. Please help us, God. Just go, no. Whatever's in your heart, measure by what's in your hand. God, help us today. And this morning, I, I want to do something, and, and I want you to help me with this, because over the next four weeks, we're going to dive in and ask the Holy Spirit to really help us, to stir our hearts, to really think about how can we together, listen, I, I'm speaking to, to every person here, every campus. If you're part of City Bible Church, please listen to me. Everybody can do something. If this lady could give a penny and be talked about 2,000 years ago, you have more than a penny. Show the Lord, not me, show the Lord that your heart is in this house. Show the Lord that you're a part of this family by saying, you know what? I'm going to put my hand for the first time maybe in this season, in this series. I'm going to for the first time put what's in my hand into my heart. And I want to come together as a church family. You can count me in, Pastor Mark. You can count me in, Jesus. And let's touch the world for Jesus. Let's do greater things. And so I want you to do me a favor. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to take our regular tithes and offerings. But, but, but I want you to do me a favor. I, I want you to reach in front of you, and there's, there's one of these brochures. I want you to just put it in your hand. Everybody grab one. Couples, you can grab one together. 
and I, I want you just to hone in here, and this, this is the hard part because this is where we go from belief to live. And I want you to look at the, the flyer that's in front of you. And again, this, this is where we stop and we pause together and we say, okay, God, this is what we believe you're saying to us of how we can live beyond ourselves to touch our city. I made sure yesterday, my wife and I, we prayed. I wanted to be the first one. I kept pestering our tech guys. Let me know when the app's up. Let me know when the app's up because I wanted to give the first gift. We gave our best, our biggest gift that we've ever done because I wanted to lead that way. And I'm just personally asking you to just, just to participate with us. And there's two things that you can do. And there's, there's the brochure that you have in front of you and you'll see on the screen too. There's also an app. If you haven't downloaded City Bible Church app, you can do that. But if you go to the front page of our app, you'll notice there's a blue bar that says Season of Generosity. You can click that, and what you're going to see, if you go back a slide, please, what you're going to see is you're going to see that there's a gold button there, and there's a gold panel there. And you'll see what we're believing God for is $1,110,000. You might say, wow, that's a lot. Last year, we, we set a target for 1102000 and we almost hit it. We were that close. And we were able to touch people all over the world. We celebrated, clapped, cried, and prayed all last year as a result of your generosity of things we were able to do. We're believing this year, again, that we can do these things. We can reach people in need. We want to give $180,000 to ministries, sex trafficking victims, homeless people. Uh, we want to work with foster kids, with our youth on our campuses. We want to be a church that touches people in need, making disciples, new horizons when it comes to different building things that we need to do to expand the horizon to reach more people strengthening our church family. We want to just be able to, to fund the different ministries and the different events and things that we do that have an effect on our city. Generous giving. We want to give $100,000 this next year. That when there's a, a hurricane, City Bible Church says we're here. We just wrote a check last week, Puerto Rico, $10,000. People without water, people without food, people without electricity. We said there's some people in Portland that actually care about you. And so we want to let you know that you matter to God, therefore you matter to us. We can write a check and we can all just say, you know what, I think Jesus smiles. So we want to be able to do that. And then also our debt reduction. And so, so what I want you to do is I want you to look at these two. And as you look at these different things, you can, you can either click, if you, if you look at the app there where it says click to make your pledge, you can actually pledge on the app and not even give something today and it will actually record it and you can come back and keep track of it whether you give monthly uh, throughout the year you give one time maybe in a couple weeks you can actually do that you can also do the same on this white side of the card here you can pull that off but what I'm asking you to do whether you use the app or whether you use the brochure is, is just to pray and ask God to just touch your heart and let's believe together that we can make a difference in the lives of people. You, you, know, you know, I go back to the story of the lady. Let it just challenge us all. One penny, two mites. In her eyes, maybe in your eyes, it didn't amount to much. God's eyes, it amounted to everything. It really made a difference in the heart of God. You know, there's a scripture in Hebrews 11:6. 6. It says this. 
without faith, it's impossible to what? To please God. But, but let me say it a different way. With faith, it's impossible not to please God. I want to do something. We're going to probably do this over the next couple of weeks. It's, it's, I want you just to, just to pause every campus. We're going to have the worship team just play. Would you just do me a favor for just one to two minutes? If you're here with your spouse, you can pray if you're all alone. Just stop and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And just look over these things and say, God, what, what do you want to do through me? Come on, we can all do something. God, what do you want to do through me? You can put in one of the categories, all of them, some of them, whatever it might be. But I want you just to put this in front of you. I just want you to pray. I just want to turn this into a prayer meeting on every campus for just a minute or two. And genuinely pray. Engage your faith. Say, Jesus, come on. Break any hard-heartedness, selfishness, resistance that I'm feeling. God, show me your heart. God, speak to me. God, I'm taking what's in my hand. I'm putting it back in my heart, God. Come on, today, God, move upon me. Can we do that right now? I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to ask you to continue to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessing and favor on our lives. Lord, we're so grateful that you've partnered with us and that we can partner with you to touch the lives of so many people. God, would you speak to all of us? God, let us see what's in our hand. Let us see what's in our heart. And Lord, use us in a mighty way to bring greater things to people all around us. In Jesus' name. Just go ahead and continue to pray.